This is an SJC Radio production. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Pit Stop with Mr. Bird on SJC Radio. Welcome to episode 21 of season 8 of Pit Stop. Uh, today I'm joined by Finn. What we're going to do, Finn, I think is we'll, we'll do a roundup. We'll start off doing a sort of a roundup of what's been going on in MotoGP. Okay. Um, so we've had two rounds since my last podcast. Uh, they they were the the Barcelona round and the San Marino round from Misano. Now, the first thing I think we've got to say is that I was supposed to be going to Misano round, but unfortunately, British Airways cancelled my flight. Um, turns out the reason... So what will happen, Finn? On Thursday after Thursday afternoon, I, I went on to my British Airways app to to, to 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 what's the word to what's it called? You go on to not log into your flight. You yeah, that's it. You check into your flight, and there's yeah. messages saying, "Oh, your flight's been cancelled." I didn't panic at first because quite often they say your flight's been cancelled, and and all they've done is they've changed the flight time by ten minutes. Well, this wasn't the case. <laughs> my new flight, my original flight was flying out about midday on Friday. My new flight was flying out Sunday evening at 4.30. That's not much use when you're going to the Mizano MotoGP. Uh, I also had my race ticket. I got my, I bought my race ticket. Um, so... There we go, I can go, and there's nothing I could do about it. So I've got my money back for the flight. I've got the back already. Um, and I've said to BA I want them to pay for my hotel stay, which I paid for. Um, I want them to pay for my race ticket, of course. And I want, I think you're entitled to 600 pounds or 600 euros compensation for a cancelled flight. I want that as well. I want the whole lot, basically. Um, so 
yeah, that was hugely disappointing. It made watching the race quite difficult. So I, yeah. I watched the race. Um, it wasn't so much that the race was a brilliant race. It was the atmosphere there was incredible. So yeah. 80,000. I mean, I mean, Misano is, I think, the sort of MotoGP heartland. 80,000, you know, fanatical uh, Italian fans there. Incredible atmosphere. So before the race, as usual, they, they sing the national anthem. The, the split second the national anthem finished, three Italian fighter jets flew over the start, finish straight. Wow, that was amazing. Then the Harrier jump jet came along and hovered in mm. front of the crowds. And and then um, where I would have been standing, in I think it was yeah. Otto 1 general enclosure, they were setting off all these red flares. Um, you yeah. can always see the track because, because of the red smoke. So the atmosphere was amazing. It would have been probably the best sporting event I've ever been to in terms of atmosphere. So, yeah, watching yeah. it was difficult. I am going next year, of course. I won't be flying with British Airways. I'll be, you know, using a, a, another carrier. And what I've done, Finn, so obviously mm -hmm. a bit down about that. So what I've done, I, as I mentioned the other day, I've booked, I'm booked to go. It's only four weeks now. I'm going to the last round of the World Superbikes at Jerez, a circuit I've always wanted to visit. And... A month after that, end of November, I'm going to the last round of MotoGP in Valencia. That should be really good. Um, what numbers? Uh, what numbers? Jerez going to be then? Is that 84? Is that how hot? No, 24, isn't it? No, no, no. What number track? What race oh. number is it? What? What in terms of in, in terms of the series or, or or me? You. Right. Well, in terms of overseas, that'd be my 51st overseas trip what number track that is i'll have to work that out i'm not sure but Jerez is one i've always wanted to go to um valencia not so much i'm not really fussed about because the valencia circuit's not a great circuit but the event will be really good because it's the the last round of the season so there'll be kind of a sort of party kind of atmosphere there which will be really good and yeah. also for somebody who doesn't like the heat thin i imagine valencia i imagine the temperature in valencia in late october would probably be low 20s i like i like that and okay valencia november that could be that could be low 20s although it, it could be sort of yeah. miserable but as long as it's not boiling hot I, I i don't mind um finn what what i want you you've got your phone on you yeah right so we're going to talk about what's happened in the last two motor gps the way we'll do it can you get on your phone and let's start yeah. off with moto three can you can you get the uh, Moto Three Championship table, and perhaps if you could read the top three or four out, then I can talk a little bit about what's been going on. Okay. So, I mean, if we if we go back, um, sort of, I don't know, uh, I don't know, a month ago or so, Daniel Halgado had a big lead, and it looked as if he had sort of pretty much not got it wrapped up but he had a commanding lead in the championship tell us the the standings now finn holgado first sasaki second right. all's there how many points has holgado got one six one one six one sasaki in second is on 157 okay that's only four points difference third place yeah. must be Messiah. it is it's on 149 
Messia Messia on one four nine. Then Dennis Onchu is fourth on one four four. So you can see, uh, is it and is um, David Alonso in fifth? Yeah, one forty. Right. Okay. So what's happened is we can see that Holgado's lead has been dramatically reduced. He's only got a four-point lead over Sasaki. Yeah, he's had a in. Uh, let me think. In Barcelona, I think he fell off. On yeah, the back last... to back DNFs. Yeah, he, he fell off on the last lap at Barcelona, and actually in Mazzano, Finn, he did finish, but he was. It's the first round where he's been off the pace. Normally, Halgado is always in that leading group. And it's yeah. the first race where he wasn't. And I'm wondering whether, you know what I think? Cool. I th what? I'm wondering whether the pressure of being the championship leader has, has got to him. Because two races yeah, ago, maybe. he looked as if he was a dead cert to win it. And, and maybe that's just created a bit of pressure. Um, so th that's been one of the storylines in, in Moto3. The other, the big storyline, though, has really been the rise of David Alonso. So... Yeah, he won in Barcelona and he won in Mazzano as well, and he also won at Silverstone. So th 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 this chap's amazing, David Alonso. Um, I'm not saying he's going to win the championship. But he's probably. Can you just remind me how many points Alonso is on? One forty. Oh no, yeah, one forty. One forty, and Helgado in the lead is on one six. Six one. He's only twenty-one points behind. Yeah. Alonso is the man in form, so yeah, he, he could he could win the championship. Dennis Onchu, um, bit lucky in Barcelona because he, on the last corner in Barcelona, he made contact with David Munoz, and he he received a penalty for that. I think he I think he finished third or second or third, but I think his points were taken away. So Onchu would, would be a little bit higher had it not been for that. On the subject of Dennis Onchu, he's been signed by the Red Bull Aki Io Moto2 team for next season. That, Finn, is the top Moto2 team. So, yeah. and uh, the, um, the TNT commentators, um, Neil Hodgson and co, reckon he's going to be a really good Moto2 rider because he's actually physically physically quite large he's probably a bit too big to, to be a moto three rider but they've got they got higher hopes for him next season uh anything else so yes going back sorry to uh the other riders um masia now at silverstone masia fell off whilst leading I, I did actually see that happen and then in the following round in austria he had a dnf and mechanical failure and i thought that's a shame that's masia's season is over uh but he's come back really strongly um, good results in both Barcelona and Mazzano. I think he was second in Mazzano. Very exciting last lap, actually. Do you remind me what uh, the points that Messier is on, Finn? He is on 149. So he's only... Is that, is that 12 points? So he's, he's back in the hunt now. So Moto3 is wide open. So... Okay. Yeah, so Moto3 is going to be really interesting. Uh, Moto2, Finn, can you give us... Moto2. No more to talk about Moto2. Can you give us the... I know Acosta is leading. Can you give us the, 
the riders and 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 the points. I think they cost. Already interested in one man in this. And which man's as Dixon? Yeah, of course, Jake Dixon. Right. Well, let's start off with. Give us the the rundown. From he's the got top. a win now, hasn't he? Well, he's got more a than Costa. one. Costa. Points. points. Two. Two one one. Yeah. Second. Arabellino. Arabellino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he on? One hundred and seventy-seven. Now that's interesting. A few rounds ago, Arbelino was in the lead, and yeah. that—that's a big gap all of a sudden. Carry on. Third, probably Dixon, I imagine. Jake Dixon, one four six. Yeah. Cool. And after that, must I'm going to guess it's Canet. Aaron Canet. Yep. Yeah, one hundred and sixteen. Right. And then is it Vietti? Yep. Yeah. No, Vietti is. What Vietti's in front of Canet? Vietti's sixth. Yeah. Lopez right, so. is Lopez is fifth, but him and Canet are tied. Right. So what's been happening in in Moto Two? Brilliant win. I mean, one of the best Moto Two races I've ever seen was Barcelona. That was Dixon's second win of the season. That was a brilliant race. One of those one of those races where I think Dixon was leading early on. He then dropped back a fraction. Now, normally in Moto Two, once they drop back a bit, they kind of fade. They drop back further and sort of fade away. He dropped back a bit, but then he came back to the front. It was kind of a tie race, really. But brilliant race. Brilliant win by Dixon. I have to say, although it was great that Dixon won, uh, Canet was leading for most of the race. And Canet's never won a Moto2 mm. race. I, I personally would have liked Canet to have won that because, I mean, I don't know how many second places Canet has had, but it's an awful lot. The main storyline in Moto2 is that Acosta, as we've seen from you reading out the schools there, is a dead cert to win the championship. The main storyline is Tony Arbolino has just fallen off a cliff. Silverstone, he was nowhere. Austria, he was what? nowhere. Barcelona, he was nowhere. I think he got a half-decent result, actually, in Mizano. He might have come fourth or fifth in Mizano. Um, he was fourth. He was fourth. But... What's interesting, Finn, and this was something that Neil Hodgson suggested, is that if we go back a few races, we're all saying that Arbolino is going to go up to MotoGP next season. That, that, that's, we all believe that was going to happen. Now, that's not going to happen after all. He's re-signed with his Moto2 team. And Neil Hodgson was speculating that maybe the knowledge that he's not going up to MotoGP, it might have sort of... Um, not saying he's given up on Moto Two, but it just might have knocked his confidence a bit. Yeah. Um, so, so I think those are the main talking points. Dixon, yeah, he's had a couple of good wins. Uh, Lopez has been a bit disappointing, but Lopez did podium in Mazzano. Uh, but generally, he hasn't won a race this year, has he? So, right now, Moto GP, Finn, give, give us the rundown of the championship positions of Moto GP. Well, it must be bag nine, no? Well, it is, yeah. Well, yeah. I want the points as well. So bag nine is obviously first. Yeah. Points. Uh, say. I'm just gonna. Oh yeah, he's miles off. Yeah, bag nine. Um, two eight three. Yeah. It must Hello? be Bezeki in second. Is it Bezeki? We in back. Second? Sorry? No, sorry, my, my thing just cut up. Right. Jorge Martin is in second. Points? 
two four seven. Okay, so that's about I don't know thirty or points behind, isn't it? Yeah. Two four seven, and Bezeki, I'm assuming, is very close behind Martin. Not exactly. Really? What's two eighteen. Two eighteen. Really? Yeah. Oh uh, well. Okay, and who would let me guess who? In fourth place, is it a Spargaro in fourth? It must be. No. Who is it? It's not. Well, I'm guessing. Oh, hold on. If a Spargaro isn't in fourth, it must. Oh, it's Binder. It's got to be Binder. Yeah. Binder. And then it must be a Spargaro after that. It is. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the main storyline in. Well, that Bag Knight is going to win the championship. He's been very consistent. But, I mean, Barcelona was almost the end of his season. Did you see Finn Bagnaia's high side and subsequent being hit by... Yeah. That high side was unbelievable, one of the biggest I've ever seen. And then he got run yeah. over by Binder. Now, I sent a message to you straight after saying, I think that's it. I think Bagnaia's out for the season. Because if you're hit by a bike, you, you know, you're going to be seriously injured. But... He wasn't injured at all, which is which is bizarre. And a week later, he is racing in Mazzano. Um, what I would say about Naya, he's very, very consistent. He never has an off weekend. If you look at no. Bezeki and Martin, you know, if we go back to the Sashen ring, Martin, I thought, wow, Martin's going to challenge for the championship. And then the next two or three rounds, he, he, he sort of disappears. And then at Mazzano, he, he dominates, winning both the, the sprint and, uh, and the main race. Bezeki again, this, you know, will have a strong round and then and then disappear. Um, what else going on, Bastianini? Well, what's going on, Bastianini? Is that yes, he's fully fit, but I read the other day that he doesn't have the feel for the bike yet. So I think got to write off this season, Bastianini. Wait, wait till next year. Um, the point I was making he was my is pick that... for the championship, wasn't he? What's that, sorry? I think he was my pick for the championship. Well, in all fairness, had he not had that crash in the opening round, Finn, I think he would be challenging for the championship. So we've got to wait till next season, I think, for, for Bassinini to sort of be to, to be back in, in top form. But what's happened this year generally is that nobody has been nobody's been able to offer a consistent challenge to Bagnaya. Bagnaya is strong every round. The other riders yeah, adding to um, Martin and, and, and Bezeki's inconsistency is the Spargaro on the Aprilia. Now, he's won two races. The Aprilia works very well, by the way, at fast-flowing circuits. So Barcelona, um, the Aprilia's dominated. In fact, it was a, an Aprilia 1-2. Um, Vinales was second. That Aprilia round those fast corners, the long fast corners, so take turn, one, take turn three in Barcelona, which is the longest turn on the MotoGP calendar, you could see the Aprilias were visibly faster than all the other bikes, even faster than the Ducatis around those long corners. So the Aprilias completely dominated that weekend. Um, so that, that was a great result. The race was, was not exciting. I would say it was interesting. Mazzano race, uh, dominated by Martin. Um, not massively exciting, but again, an interesting race. Um, I tell you, performed really well at uh, Mizano was Danny Pedrosa, the KTM test rider who had, who had a, a wild card race. I think he was fourth in both the sprint and the main race. Uh, so that was really good. 
Now, normally when I do these recordings, Finn, I realise afterwards yeah. there's lots of stuff I should have left out. I think I've covered it. I think we've covered all the main points, really. Um, yeah. I was reading an article by Matt Oxley in Motorsport. He's probably the best motorsport journalist uh, around. And he was talking about, I mean, you might have noticed this, Finn, that there's been an awful lot of injuries this year. Yeah. And, and you're talking about the reasons for this. Well, one of the reasons was the fact we got these sprint races as well. So we've got more races. We've got sprint races. Uh, so that accounts for, you know, a few more injuries. But he made the good point that the racing hasn't been quite as good as previous years. This is all down to tyre pressures. And yeah. so basically, if you get stuck behind other bikes, your tyre pressures go through the roof and you lose grip. And this explains why there's been, been more crashes. But because of this tyre pressure issue, he was saying that what we have now is there's a mad scramble, particularly into the first corner and over the first couple of laps to get to the front. Because once you're in the front and in clean air, you don't have issues with your with your tyre pressures going up. So one of the reasons for the greater number of accidents is that people are desperate on that first lap to get to the front. Look at Bastianini in Barcelona into that first corner. Mm -hmm. He took out, you know, three or four riders there. So people are desperate to get to the front so they can get into clean air to avoid having issues with their tyre pressures. Once your tyre pressure goes up, you can't actually overtake. So... Um, yeah, MotoGP has got a few issues. Uh, the trouble is, you might say, Finn, why don't, why don't they change the rules? Why don't they get rid of some of this aero? Why don't they change the tyres? Blah, de, blah, de, blah. I'll tell you why. In order for there to be any rule changes, Finn, all the manufacturers have to agree. Now, Ducati, yeah. you've got, gosh, is it eight bikes from the grid? Is it eight? Like it, it is eight. I think so. They're quite happy. They're dominating. They're not going to agree yeah. to any rule changes. So you might say, oh, very simple, just change the rules so the racing's better. But you can't do that. The manufacturers have to agree. They all have to agree. Ducati aren't going to want the rules to change because they're doing so well. Right, I think that's that's me done with MotoGP, MotoGP chat. Finn, now, I understand that... You, did you watch the Grand Prix at the weekend from Singapore? I did. Did you watch? Wasn't planning it. Didn't. Did you watch all of it live, or the highlights, or the YouTube? Or well, you well, I actually. Well, let me let me check. I reckon the last round I watched was maybe uh, Hungary. I think no. I watched Belgium, so I haven't. I've missed the Netherlands. I missed Italy. Didn't know either of them happened. And <laughs> okay. by, by the time by the time Silverstone had been round, I tired completely tired of it. It's just so boring. And then I I was on my phone. I and got a message from BBC Sport saying Carlos Sainz is on pole. Yeah. So I thought this can't be happening. So I check the some the old formula one app and red bull have had some like i think it had like a turbo charge removed or something fact check the rule change was a banning of movable body work and they're completely off it and 
for the first time in 16 rounds, someone else has won other than a Red Bull. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I can't expand on anything you said, Finn. I, I saw an article there talking about some some change to, to some of the Red Bulls, which might have affected their performance. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that was exactly. Was the race any, okay? You're happy with the result, but was the race any good? Yeah, yeah, it was actually. It actually was. What that was, was good. That, was that overtaking in it? Yeah, at Singapore yeah. as well. Yeah, because I, 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 I did read. I don't really read much about Formula One, but there was. I read this short article about. Apparently, signs was in Norris was in second. Is that right? Yeah, that, it was like it? a good old tussle between them two. It was saying that signs was allowing Norris to get within DRS range, so yeah. that Norris wouldn't be overtaken by the Mercedes cars behind him. Because yeah. I think signs felt that had the Mercedes got past Norris, they would have got past him as well. I think I think that's probably correct. Yeah. I, I'm not too sure what to think about that because, you know, a driver, it's very tactical, isn't it? Slowing down to allow another car to get within DRS range so the cars behind him won't get in DRS range. Yeah. To me, I'm kind of thinking it's all a bit silly. Yeah, I know, but like, you know, Ferrari aren't known for the best strategy team, are they? That's really? a good point. That's, yeah, that's the point, they it? took a big old gamble and it paid off for once. Although that tactic was that was that I think that's something that Signs is that something that Signs decided he would do. I I I I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure. I, don't really know what I mean, I mean I, Finn, yeah. you, you you say that you haven't watched much Formula One since Belgium or whatever. I've literally watched nothing. In fact, I don't even watch even the briefest of brief highlights i don't watch on youtube i don't watch anything at all and i'm actually quite happy not watching it i think yeah, one I of think the reasons happens probably won the championship like two rounds ago maybe. yeah i think with me the problem i have with formula one is i don't admire or respect what the drivers do i think once you got into moto gp i have so much admiration um and yeah. respect for moto gp riders because what they do is really, really dangerous. And, and you know, we've had so many injuries this year. And, you know, look at Mark Marquez on, on a terrible bike. You know, look at the yeah. session ring round where his bike was a bit of a death trap and he was giving it 100% and he was crashing left, right and centre. I mean, I, I really respect those people because they are risking injury and potential death every round. When I compare... Yeah. Compare what they do to the very cosseted lives uh, of these Formula One drivers who are paid probably far more than most GP riders. I don't really have any sort of admiration for them. Um, yeah. Oh, but Finn, well done you for watching some Formula One. I mean, I, I couldn't do that. You know, funny enough, Finn. Mm-hmm. Is that your dinner? Is that your dinner? It's not really my dinner, it's my McDonald's. You're, Mado- You're having McDonald's for dinner? Really? Well, um, I've been doing my volunteering mm-hmm. um, at the sailing centre where Max works. Yeah. And what I've been doing is my mum, she takes the, P- she took the St. John's sailing group, she now takes the PGS, the, sorry, the 
the high school sailing group. Yeah. Um, and I've been instructing that course, which isn't really that fun because I'm teaching Mr. Horrors' daughter, <laughs> teaching Tilly and her friends. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so where does so the McDonald's... you used to get this. So, so the McDonald's is a reward for doing the volunteering? Yeah. She basically just stops me moaning. But it wasn't on today because there was way too much wind. Right. Okay. And um, what, can, I want to can you tell me what, what Big Mac? It's got to be a Big Mac, surely. No, it's a wrap. Oh, you're having a wrap? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. I'm not impressed at all. You get McDonald's once a, once a year. Has to be a Big Mac. Right. So, um, yeah, the, what I was saying, I, um, Funny enough, I, I, I can't watch Formula One now. I would rather, Finn, and I, I'm not even joking here, if you gave me the choice between watching a, a Formula One Grand Prix full length or watching golf, I would, I'm not exaggerating, I would rather oh watch golf. Now, what's interesting, I can remember when I was a, a pupil at Lord Wandsworth, um, I had friends of mine who were really keen on golf, and um, this would be about 1986, and I remember having lots of arguments with them about how you know, Formula One was much more exciting than, than watching golf, which is really, really boring. Yeah. That was my opinion in 1986. Now, I kind of agree with the, with, with the, with, with the golfers. I'd, right. I would rather watch golf than, than Formula One. Uh, and I'm not even joking. Um, but, Ben, well done for watching that. Um, yeah, thanks for, for, for your input there. Will you watch any more Grand Prix? It's the Japanese Grand Prix this weekend. Might from, well do. It's, I mean, Suzuka is a great circuit. Yeah. Before this, I was actually on my um, simulator. I was racing uh, in a pack of 50 Fiat 500 rounds. 50 Fiat. There was a pack of 50 Fiat 500 round Suzuka. So really? I'm in the mood for it. Wow. Yes, it's a great circuit, Suzuka. Now, a nice segue into the World Endurance Championship, which you know, I'm a big fan of. Um, now, we had some great races at some classic venues, you know, Sebring, 1,000 miles of Sebring, brilliant mm -hmm. racetrack, fantastic, huge crowd. Uh, we had the Spa Six Hours, which I was at. They were about, ooh, gosh, was it? 60 or 70,000 people there. The Mont 24 Hours was absolutely amazing, all-time classic with that Ferrari win. Then we went to Monza in July, I think it was July. Um, that was a fantastic race. And then, bizarrely, so you've got this series, which, uh, you know, is, is on the crest of a wave, all these big manufacturers coming back into the sport. And then we have about two months with no races. Utter madness. So mm -hmm. you, Le Mans got a lot of media coverage. You know, the, the WEC, a lot of media coverage. And then we have no races. That is insane. There should have been in August, Finn. There should have been a race at Silverstone. There should have been a race at the Nürburgring, as there always used to be. Instead, we had to wait till yeah. September, and we have a race at what I think is perhaps the worst racetrack in the world, Fuji. Oh, it's yeah, 100%. Raceway. Used to be a great circuit, was destroyed when they decided to, inverted commas, upgrade it for, for Formula One in about, was it 2008? I think they only had one Grand Prix there. It's a terrible circuit. The last sector is so Mickey Mouse, it, 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 it's beyond belief. I can't watch races at Fuji, it's so awful. I didn't watch the wet race there. The result, well, I'll tell you what was good about it. 
the the Force Nine Six Three. Um, so the factory team, the factory Penske team, have been struggling a bit this season. They led most of the race. I mean, it ended up being a Toyota one-two, but that Penske Porsche nine six three did finish third. So that was that was really good. Um, what I did watch, however, so I didn't watch the the Fuji race because of the terrible circuit. I have been watching IMSA races. So at the weekend, I watched. It was called the Battle of the Bricks, uh, the IMSA race from the Indianapolis uh road circuit uh yep. and that was a one two for the penske porsche team so the porsche 963 which in the earlier part of both the WEC and imsa season hasn't been you know on the ultimate pace it's now dominating in imsa because it, it it won the previous imsa round at uh, road america quite comfortably so it's now dominating in the states and you know, it's challenging the Toyotas in the WEC. There's only one WEC race left. That's that's in Bahrain. Um, it's a bit of a shame that the, as I said, the WEC season has fizzled out a bit after Monza. This, this huge gap, you go to a terrible circuit, and then it's probably a big gap until we go to another, you know, not particularly great circuit in Bahrain. So I have moaned about the calendar before. How good would it have been, Finn, had the WEC gone to Suzuka? I would have got up early, obviously, yeah. and watched the whole lot. In fact, the race at Suzuka, I could watch over and over again. It's such a great racetrack. It's a great place. Um, but we have to go to this, this awful Fuji instead, um, which is a shame. Now, this weekend, what's going on this weekend? Well, I'll tell you what's going on this weekend, Finn. Yes, you've got your Formula 1 at Suzuka, but yes. much more importantly, and a much greater interest, MotoGP is going to, you know where it's going this weekend? Going to India. I know, yeah. I thought, I, I like that. In Mumbai. I, it, is it Mumbai? It, it might be. The, the, the circuit's called the sort of Buddha. Is it Buddha or something? International circuit? I'm not, it, it is, might yeah. be in Mumbai. I'm not, I'm not sure where it is. Um, I remember. I remember. I don't know how I remember this now, but uh, one, if you really wanted to, you could scroll back ages and me, you and Will yeah. made up uh, so you went on the tip, the uh, B list uh, racetracks. Oh and yes, yes, We yes. created the six. I used India. So just remind me. So th this was, w w was this, was this us choosing our favourite B? No, so circuit? it was like um, a yeah, for for like a six race Formula One thing. I remember and just B tier. I've got. I've still got it. Let me see what I used. So so hold on. Just make it very clear here. So this was. Challenge was a yeah to create a six-round Formula One circuit using is it B B graded circuits? Yeah, the ones that can't be used for Formula One. So I used Sebring, great circuit. Brands Hatch, great circuit. Uh, the Buddha. Yes, yeah. So that, obviously, I guess that that was a, an A graded circuit, which has now been downgraded to a, a, a B graded circuit. Yeah, carry on. Uh, yeah. Um, Long Beach. Oh, great, great street circuit, the best street circuit. Laguna Seca. Great track. And my final one, which I actually made a card on, which I got here. Kyle <laughs> Army. Cut, which I've been to. Kyle Army. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a really 
that's a really good circuit. In fact, there is talk, Finn, about they, they are quite keen to get a Formula One or MotoGP uh, at Kailami. Um, on the subject of venues for MotoGP, um, I think next year they're going to have a round in Hungary. Might be tempted to go to Hungary to watch the MotoGP, mainly because Hungary is a, a fantastic country. Um, it's very civilized, um, Hungary. So I'd quite like to go there. Now, Finn, um, predictions for the MotoGP. Let's do predictions for MotoGP. Mm -hmm. So, so I, you, you're full of McDonald's there. Shall I go first? I've given this no thought whatsoever. Um, gosh, it's got a long straight, hasn't it? That's a, a long straight. Yeah. Right, uh, we know that not, and that there aren't really many fast corners, so it's going to be a Takati track because let's face it, Honda. Oh, by the way, it, it, I read today that this Sunday is the 75th anniversary of the Honda company. Um, oh, yeah. It is a shame that this is the worst season ever in MotoGP yeah. for Honda. And um, I tell you what, I don't think Mar Mar Marquez will be on our Honda next season. He's got a few options available to him, Mark Marquez. Um, yeah. I think there was the test after the Zano round. I think if he was, if he was convinced that next year's bike would be competitive, then, then he might stay. He's not going to stay at Honda. Um, I'm willing to bet you I'd put money on Mark Marquez will be on a Grassini Ducati teammate to his brother, Alex Marquez, next season. I have no doubt that's going to happen. No, no doubt whatsoever. It is the same for Honda. That it's the 75th, 75th anniversary and they're having their worst ever season. Now, I've gone off at a tangent here because I've talked about the rider market. The rider market has been absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, old um, Franco Morbidelli has struggled yep. on the Yamaha, which is not a competitive bike. Um, now, you know, a few rounds ago, uh, we all assumed that Morbidelli, well, he's lost his seat at Yamaha because Alex Rins will be on the Yamaha next season. And we all assumed yep. that Morbidelli would probably go well superbikes. Um, mm -hmm. Would you believe it? Morbidelli, who's had a terrible season, and was we all expected him to be out of MotoGP, has only gone and got uh, a ride for the Pramac Ducati team next year. The Pramac Ducati team is like the second best team on the grid. Mm -hmm. Isn't it strange how, I'm not saying that Morbidelli has failed, but somebody has done badly and has like got promoted. Do you know what I mean? Who's, think, whose seat's he taken then? Well, what's happened, and this is, I mentioned this the other day, Zarco has bizarrely decided to leave Pramat Ducati and yeah. join LCR Honda, which is, well, it is the Money definition talks. of madness because the Honda's a terrible bike. I don't know what Zarco's doing, really. Money talks. Money talks. Well, it, yeah, it, it might be. I, I, I'm. I just, well, I, I, think, I think Sarko sort of feels that, um, that that they really, really want him and he feels, he feels he might be more valued, perhaps at Honda. 
But I, I tell you what, it'll be the end of his MotoGP career because next year it'll be a disaster. A bit like when Zarco went to KTM about four or five years ago. He left KTM mid-season because he couldn't get on with the bike. Well, the Honda is is the worst bike by a mile and people keep on crashing all the time on these hondas so i don't i don't know what zarko's thinking there but um but i, I think the reason why morbidelli was able to make that move is because he was because his contract came to an end this season anyway so it was quite easy for him to to move to another team your top riders like marquez and quattro they're on longer term contracts so it's more difficult for them to to move yeah um now talking about riders was a bit of a sidetrack from I find when I do these podcasts, Fred, and I go on a sidetrack, I completely forget what we were talking about originally. I've got a feeling we're talking about predictions for the Union Grand Prix. I've got no idea. So I'm going to play safe and go one. Well, do I go... Well, I'll tell you what. No, I'm going to go for Martin. Martin one, Bagnaia two, Hideki three. Okay. I mean, that's... Who are you going to go for? Uh, Bagnaia, Martin, Luca Marini. Interesting you put Marini in there. Okay, that's slightly different. I mean, I suspect Bagnaia will probably win. Um, but we shall see. Of course, it's a new circuit. So, um, I mean, you never know. It being a new circuit in MotoGP, it, it might throw up a few surprises. Who knows? I mean... The main interest, I mean, it, obviously the interest isn't just MotoGP, it's Moto3. Are we going to see Helgado back at the front or are we going to see Alonso win his third race on the trot? Um, yeah. But Moto3 is really interesting. Finn, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, and, and thank you for suggesting that we do a recording because I was so down after missing out on Mizano. I was thinking... I can't do a recording about Mizano, and I was thinking maybe that's the end of our pit stop podcast. But um, you've oh, no. kind of we, we, you've rekindled them, rekindled them, Finn. So thank you for that. Um, when we next meet up, well, that might be I don't know. It might be in a month's time. It might be earlier. If you wish to do so, I'll leave that down to you. So yeah, just let me know when you want to, want to do a next recording. So we might even meet up next week and talk about India. Who knows? Maybe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. 
There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well